and welcome to the Xbox World Strongcast number four. It's the Friday the 16th of December 2011. Uh, I'm Xbox World Associate Editor Andy Hartup and I am joined today by Mike Gapper. Hey, how's it going? Uh, Matthew Castle. Uh, hello. The regular podcast squad. Yeah. Regular the, um, Strongcast squad. The, uh the A-team, right? The Strong the Crew, as yeah. I've begun referring it's to ourselves. It's not really the, the A-team now, because the day we're recording, it's, um, it's actually a couple of days before you guys are going to be hearing this, and it's um, it's snowing. It's actually snowing in mm. Bath. So I, we, I reckon yeah. it'll still be snowing on Friday. That's my confidence. Yeah, it's a good right chance, now. and we have to walk quite a way to get to our podcast studio, because, I mean, why would you put it all in the same building, really? That's, that's, that's insane. Yeah. It's madness. What's so we actually put it on the other side of Bath, so we actually we just walked over and got... Um, you have to be some on. sort of oligarch to own a large <laughs> building in Bath, though. Yeah. <laughs> you have to own loads yeah, of so little ones. You have to ones. be Lord Bath. Yeah. And of course, he just fills with animals. Yeah, he, well, like he has. Yeah. yeah. Eccentric zoo. man. Yeah. It was like something out of Skyrim walking over here, pushing through the snow. Is that a link to the one game you've been playing lately? No, no, I was just saying, it just reminded me, the but snow, it was like Winter Hold or whatever the hell it's But called. that is the only game anyone's been playing, right? No, yeah. wrong. Wrong? Wrong. Okay. I've gone back to NBA 2K. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The well, thing is... Is it all... like NBA 2 MB, whatever that is, out there as well? Is that is the weather? No. Okay. No, there was, there was a distinct absence of very tall men throwing balls around. But uh, you, um, you love courts and cheering fans. There <laughs> you, was, you, there was none of that on the way here. You don't even mm. really like basketball, right? You're not like a guy who goes and sits and watches basketball. I'm, I'm totally getting into it. I'm, I'm getting ESPN. Really? This Christmas, yeah. Just because you've enjoyed playing the game so much on your yeah. your video box. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I sort of enjoyed basketball before, but now I love it. I went to go and see. Um, I was in New York, and we, and we were like, you know what? While we're in New York, we were going to see some. Uh, we're going to see some of uh, an American sport of some mm. variety. My buddy really likes basketball. I kind of prefer hockey, but both are kind of much of a muchness to me. So um, we went to Madison Square Garden. We booked tickets, and it's actually during hockey strikes. It's quite a while, a while mm. back, so we couldn't see any hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we saw basketball, and we we were like, we could go see the Knicks. We were like, ah, okay, let's go see the Knicks. So um, they were probably quite good when you went and saw them. They would. They they did play some very good basketball, not that I would know. To be honest, I was watching it. I was like, "This is a fucking boring game, man. Boring, boring." Oh, it's a game. great crowd event though. The, yeah, I, I've been to one sporting event, and that was basketball. And then that's the thing, man. The crowd just kick ass. Like yeah. to, to me, I, I don't watch. I don't like team sports. Bore me. But um, the man, the crowd was electric. Yeah. Just defense, really, defense. Yeah, just <laughs> the, the funny thing is, they're really organised. They're sort of excited yeah. in an organised way. You go to like a football game in the UK, uh, or even a rugby game, and there's sort of little pockets of like mm. you know of, of mm. certain types of people. There's, there's what the, there's the li- really loud guys here. There's a couple of families over there. Is and you, you sort of get and you look around, you can definitely see distinct subsets. Among the crowd, you there's, go to an American pro- sports game. Job at, the, at Bath, really? Yeah, at Bath Rugby. We, um, <laughs> I, I go, I go about once a month, and we always, we all, he's always in the same sort of stand as us, and he's a proper nut bar, and we, um, we always, there's a group of us go, we always make sure that we see where he is first, and then stand somewhere he isn't. Oh, what's, well, what does he do? He, um, well, let's face it, he's slightly racist, oh, and no. very vocal. But oh. he, he, the, he shouts. He's, I, I don't know whether Vocal he's half racists. cut all the time. They're the worst. But I, 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 don't, I don't know. Or maybe he's just like that. But he stands there and shouts things that are completely inappropriate. Like before they've even ca- kicked off. <laughs> before they've even kicked off, he'll be shouting, go on, get the ball off him. Which is totally inappropriate. That's, yeah, you because you, you, because you, you all they, start, they haven't yeah. even kicked the ball off. Yeah, yet. even if you did get the ball off, maybe he's blind. But then again, he is wasting his money on a. I a used to go um, watch ticket. the Rovers at, uh, when they were in Twerton, when mm. they, when they weren't even like Bristol Rovers weren't even playing in Bristol, and there was a guy who used to oh, who used to turn up to every game, and I I didn't go out very often because my buddy who liked him, and uh, I I just used to turn up because it was a laugh, it was a night out, uh, it was cheap. Like when you were a kid, going to see the Rovers was like two quid or something. It was ridiculous. Um, and we would go, and there'd be a guy sitting, well, standing, about. I know he was always. He seemed to always be near us, and he would. He would. He would say it was like a mantra. At, at some point in the game, guaranteed, he would say, "And I get away. Get away from the mic for this." He would go, "Shit, referee!" <laughs> <laughs> every time, like every time, like it was. The, it was the same thing, every single, and like it. Again, contextless, completely context-free. Mm. It gets to a point in the game where he would decide, oh, you know what? 
refereeing has not been up to scratch in this game, so he would just bellow that. I'd like to think for the rest of the week he was like a really like meek librarian or something. So yeah. he's just sitting there silently the whole week thinking when Saturday See, comes... Like, I'm going to say a referee's Yeah, he says, I cannot wait to give that referee so some sort grief. Of boils over at some <laughs> point. <you're> gonna, <laughs> just sort of blurts it out. What's, the, um, what's bringing you back to NBA over and over again? Did you play online? No. No, you just play the career mode, right? Yeah, yeah just, just play my player all the time. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, one, it's, like it's just one, one of one of many moments. Well, no, each season's an eighty-two game season, right? And each game lasts about thirty minutes. Christ, that's a lot of game, isn't it? So I'm, I'm in my second season. I'm having a whale of a time. I mean, in theory, this is the only game you ever need. It is. It's sort of like an RPG. Yeah. It's, it's got that sort of RPG sort of feedback where the the better you play, the more points you get to invest in your character because you do you build a character, you build yourself. And you, you get good at certain things. It's like Skyrim, but with less sort of goblins and dragons and whatnot. Mm. Because essentially, <laughs> essentially you're, you're continually levelling up your character and you, you're continually doing half an hour games, which are sort of like quests. You know, it, you're just getting little sort of, little tiny sort of pockets of play and you, you get your sort of highs and lows off that. So, mm. you know, each game you either win or lose, obviously. So, you know, if you win, it's all like, yeah, you know, I've won. And, and if you lose, you sort of think, well, what could I have done better? And maybe I'll change my character in this way. And, yeah, I mean, are there, it uh, just happens to be about basketball. Are there difficult moral choices? Yeah, there are sometimes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Should I, I pass to that man or not? Are you not, at the first point, though, so good that every game's a foregone conclusion? No. Right. Because each team, oh, the, one of the part of the beauty of it is, is each team plays differently. And there is a sort of um, a consistency mechanic going on whereby your team for a couple of games might go through an absolute slump and play like idiots and so you have to adapt the way that you play to try and counteract the way that they're playing so like one game one game I played last night scored 28 points which was a you know quite a lot for five minute quarters and I was I scored more than half of my team's points in the whole game and everyone it was all about me yeah next game next game we still won but I got 10 points and I got loads of assists because everyone else was doing really well and I was doing crap. So I just passed the ball to them and they, they scored off it. And, Sounds you know, right. it's, it's just learning how to uh, adapting to each game. And, and every game is different. Mm-hmm. Every game. Do you not just enjoy it as a tool man? It's nice to have a game with other tool people in it. Well, when, when I'm a virtual man, I can be as tall or as short as I like. Because I, I, I often, you know, I don't like, I'm quite tall myself, so I don't like to play as squat characters in games. You know, I like to play as someone I can kind of associate with. You don't like to sort of go small. Well, they don't do gangly heroes in games, you mm. know, because most people hate 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 us. It's not. Giants. It's not the main reason I turn out to play NBA. Oh, okay. I suppose it's a nice little bonus. Yeah. Yeah. You, I'm you're not a true myself. giant, though. Remember, we were in, we were in Pret a while back. Pret a manger, folks. You know, having a mid, enjoying a middle class <laughs> sandwich. That's the way Pret-a-Manger. we roll. Yeah, enjoying a middle class toasted sandwich <laughs> at Pret a manger, and. Um, I'm going to get back to that in a second, by the way. Uh, we were in there, and because mm. uh, Matt Castle, I think you were, about 6'3", 6'4"? Something like that. Yeah, a guy, a guy, <laughs> a guy like rolled that. on in. <laughs> if you don't know. Six, oh, no, I don't know. When do, you measure, when do you measure yourself? You know? I don't know. <laughs> no, exactly. I got measured just the other day at my work. Yeah, well, I went you know, to my you're, tailor. You're, you're, you're the only games journalist in the world who has a tailor. Yeah, I guess so. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's why. <laughs> so, the guy, this guy walked in like frigging Shaquille O'Neal. Mm. He was he was his head was scraping the ceiling. He was ducking down, and um, that like that you realise there and then that tall like you ain't tall. No, no, you ain't tall at all. That guy. Yeah, but that guy was like fr- tall, he was like freakazoid. Is, though, yeah, wasn't tall he? is where you have to you actually have to like work around the things that regular people find easy. Yeah, that's mm. tall. Yeah. So yeah, I went to London the other day to talk to um, Rocksteady for a f- come feature in our January mm. edition of Xbox World. Yes. Very interesting feature. You're going to hear all about um, you know, Sefton Hill, uh, game director, talking about uh, you know how they. Did, I'm not going to say it, but how they, why they chose the ending they chose, and and so on. It's a uh, we'll we'll hype that a little bit more kind of time, but um, it's something to look forward to. Mm. Which is good because 20 tells the end of the world, so it's not much to look forward to. Next no, year. no, you may as well read read a bit more about Batman. Yes, just just while you're waiting for the for the end days. And while I was there, I found out that Pret a Manger in um in <laughs> London mm. have toasted sandwiches. Mm. Like, you know they do those wraps everywhere with the meatballs and stuff in, and they're badass, right? And we can get those in Bath and Bristol and wherever. Mm. But you you can't in the Bath Pret, 
There's no toasted sandwiches. You go to London and they do toasted sandwiches like everywhere. It was badass. I love how it's quite small though, isn't it? I love how this anecdote begins with, I went to Rocksteady, I talked to Sefton Hill, and you know the listener's kind of like, oh, great. Okay, gonna this, hear about I'm going to hear something cool about Batman. And then Mike starts talking about Pretz toasted sandwiches. <laughs> goes, but no, that's not the really interesting part. The really interesting part is I had a great sandwich. Yeah, I mean, the, the sandwich was really, really good. Do you good. think Pret will send us some free sandwiches? Because we've said the words pret manger so much in, in this podcast. Well, other sandwiches are available. Oh, no, very, they're not. Very no, diplomatic. No, no sandwich, other sandwiches aren't available. Mr. Pratt, send us some sandwiches. <laughs> send me some Swedish meatball wraps. Like, look, we won't shill for anyone's <laughs> games, but I'll shill for a sandwich. Yeah. Mm. Definitely. I'd do, I'd, I'd do anything for a sandwich. <laughs> Literally anything. So tell us a little bit about your visit to Rocksteady. So, so tell us about the studio and stuff. Yeah, so when you walk in, really they've got... Um, they're, they're, I won't guess say where they are because people might start knocking on their door and asking for sweets and stuff. But you go... Um, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, shut up. You go um Sweet. you go Toasted into the, you go into this like studio and the first thing that strikes you is kinda of like there's like this everything's covered the walls are all steely and they've been splashed with acid. Apparently it's been that day since day one, that way since day one. They took all of like these metal plates, chucked them on the tables in the boardroom, just sprayed acid over it, varnished it and stuck it on the wall. And it's uh so the whole place has got this kind of industrial thing. They had a crap Christmas tree, but they were in the process of decorating it. So it was it was half decorated when I arrived. So we're we're reserving our verdict on the Christmas tree until the, we the, see the, the final the, verdict. The, 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 yeah. Christmas, the Christmas tree <laughs> in its current state would would is a six out of ten. Oh God! Yeah, that's um, the lowest score Rocksteady's ever got. The funniest <laughs> the funniest thing about uh, Rocksteady is how small the studio is. It's mm. like a triple A developer. Now I've been to visit Bungie. I've been to visit um, Ubisoft Montreal. Ubisoft Montreal is ridiculous. Is there Ubisoft Montreal is so big? It's like risk are spreading out to other parts of Montreal. They've actually had to buy nearby buildings because they're so huge, and it's just floor after floor after floor of mm. with like dead triple dead bolted doors and things you got to swipe a card to get through and punching codes and. You know, it's it, all of this stuff. You go to Rocksteady, it's just like there's a lock at the front door and there's a bunch of people sitting in a, a, a open room and the only people who aren't visible from when you first walk down that corridor are the audio guys. Mm. And they're tucked away in their little soundproof box. But it's a really small team and you think, Jesus, man, it's like I can't believe a team this size can produce a game mm-hmm. as massive as Arkham City in like mm. two years. They've got a, just a truly, truly talented team there the things they're doing are, are amazing and I was chatting to Sefton about this he said uh, I said you know the talent we've got in this country is genuinely amazing right and he was like yeah I mean it's it's incredible but the talent drain we have in mm. this industry it's like we've been saying on the Strongcast before the talent drain we got is insane and we're losing so many good guys friends of friends of guys in Montreal or going to Montreal exactly and going, lots of them going to Eastern Europe as well so I'm going to Germany mm-hmm. Uh, I interviewed the guys from Jaeger the other day as well, guys mm. making Spec Ops, which is really good, by the way. And the guys I were interviewing were two English guys mm. working in Germany. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the UK market can't support them. Oh, yeah, yeah, same. When I went to Starbreeze or to see Syndicate, uh, most of the people I spoke to were English. Really? Yeah. Hmm. You always yeah. get very exotic names in the credits for Starbreeze games. I like that. It's a lot of strong it. names, yeah, yeah a, lot of, a lot of the old double A's. Sort of Tor, Smorgudson, and yeah. things like that. But. Um, no, have you have you ever been to the um, have you ever been to Ubisoft's Paris yeah. studio? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's in the middle of a war zone. It is in the middle of a war zone. I, I hear it's, it's actually in a, quite a rough area. Like it's, it's in the most rough area of Paris. Yeah. When we um, we went uh, a couple of years ago to see Brotherhood and uh, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, and we got we got off the got off the old Eurostar at the Gare du Nord. And uh, got in a taxi and we said, uh, oh, we need to go to this address in Montreuil, which is the district of Paris where it is. And the taxi driver said, you sure you want to go here? And we're like, yeah, we want to go here. And he said, he sort of shook his head and said, oh, it's, it's not very good. In, in like broken English, he's like, it's not very good there. And we were going, yeah, but we, we've got to go there. It's on business. One, one way or another, we have to be there. Yeah. They kill taxi drivers. We, um, <laughs> we, went, we went for a little walk after, in between because they've got like a... They've got their main studio, which is just like this warehouse with a shitty lift that never works. And then, oh yeah, I've been there. And then they've they've got like a little testing lab around is this the corner. This when you reviewed Red Steel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've got a little testing lab around the corner, which is where they put their QA monkeys. And they've actually changed it now. They've knocked loads of walls through and stuff. While we were there, they were doing. This is a whole separate building. Oh, okay. And we walked there, and we saw stuff like 
people hanging around in doorways and like abandoned sofas and all sorts. And a man it was just on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Literally ran across the street out of one door into the next. It's <laughs> the most depressing place. And that, that is their, that's their HQ. Yeah. That's the global HQ. Yeah. They run the whole operation from there. So, yeah, it's not, it's not the life of a game journalist is not all five star hotels and glitz and glamour. The life we of went, a games developer I, is I, not I went, all five to, star. I went to, to Paris for a day, went to the shittiest part, and saw a game for about 10 minutes. And what are you, do you fly? Do you drive? Do you get on a train came, back that yeah, evening? Yeah, back, we yeah. did the same. So I went to see Ghost Recon last year. Mm. Uh, I stayed overnight in London. Thank God, because I always would have had to go up at five in the morning. Mm. Stayed overnight in London, uh, went to St Pancras, got on the uh, train, went over there, got off the train, got into a taxi, went to the roughest part of Paris, walked into the studio. They got shown the game, did an interview, played the game for 10 minutes. The guys were like, looked at his watch. We're going to miss the train. We've got to go. We run out of the thing, jump into a taxi, traffic jammed across Paris. Mm-hmm. We just managed to make it to, we make it to the Gare du Nord, run through the station, jump onto the train literally as the doors are closing, sit down, go back back to St Pancras, go to Paddington, go to Bath, go to bed. Yeah. That, was, that, was my, that was my day in, in, in romantic Paris. I've 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 heard of well yeah yeah I, no I'm, we're not going to exchange development no people studio, love visit horror people stories. love this people love this stuff you got you got to tell the story well I'm sure you've already told people about the bio whatever is it no we we, we, maybe but if not we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute we'll do it um, I mean that's the worst of all time right? I, I went to LA for about 24 hours once that's a nine that hour good. flight man I said no it's a it's like no, an eleven, it's an 11 hour, hour flight, flight yeah, yeah it's an eleven hour flight yeah it was for Fallout New Vegas I went I went. Uh, to, I, I flew there, uh, it was 11 hours, it was another hour off the, from the airport because it was in Newport Beach, um, so I got there, I got there about sort of 8 o'clock at night, having, that's including the time difference from, from, our, from our time. And, yeah, because so your body clock's completely So, completely <laughs> my body off, clock right? was knackered. I got there, I put my bag in the room, they said, alright, we're going out for dinner, and I, I, was, I was at that, that stage where you're so tired, you start swaying. Yeah. And so I was there and they, they, there was some food in front of me and I was sort of swaying about, not quite with it. Some people may have been talking to me. I don't know. And I still your, can't and remember. And your clock, it's like five in the morning. So you're, mm. you're, having, a, you're having this big steak or something. It's yeah. five in the morning. You're like, I did not want to eat. I, I couldn't remember what it was, to be honest. Mm. I just, I couldn't, couldn't recall. Went, went to bed, didn't sleep very well because I was wide awake by the time I went to bed. Um... Yeah, went and saw the game the next day and was in LAX about four o'clock, waiting for my delicious return 11-hour flight. Mm. And, yeah, it was just, I, I, you know, I, I was so tired, I couldn't, I couldn't remember anything, well, hardly anything about the game when I got back. I, I had some notes. They were pretty meaningless. None of us expect to be treated like kings, mm. but none of us expect to be treated like, um, like cattle. Yeah. Like, you know... We, hey, um, hey cattle fly better than that. The worst, I mean, this is the yeah. worst trip, and I'll, I'll take the Pepsi challenge against anyone's bad travel experiences. Is this the Bioware? This one? is Bioware. Yeah, Bioware is based in Edmonton, which is in, which is deep to the west of Canada. It's like, mm. you know, you need to you need to stop off at Montreal to get there, or one of the other. It's Toronto to get there. Yeah, you know, it was Toronto. You yeah. got on the way back. We stopped in Montreal, right? Mm-hmm. So we get on a plane at Heathrow. Heathrow. Yes, yes Heathrow. Heathrow. Fly to uh, Toronto. Get wait two hours and you're knackered. You're just like, oh god, it's nine hours at this point. You're like, oh god. You get on a plane and then you land. It's in... another four hours. Yes, yeah, so another, it's four, another hours. four hours from Toronto to so, uh, to Edmonton. On this little plane, this little Buddy Holly plane, mm. little where you just it's like this little Leonard Skinner plane. Yeah. And you're flying over. You land on a runway which is heated. It has to be heated because it snows basically three hundred and ten days of the year over there. <laughs> You, you land and you get off and you walk through the most depressing airport in the world. And then you end... There's nothing there. Yeah. You, there's nothing there. And then you get to, you flag a taxi outside and there aren't many taxis because, again, no one comes through this airport. And you're on your way to Edmonton. Mm. And the thing about Edmonton is it's a really big city, but there's nothing in it. Mm. Everything's really far apart. Imagine... 
you, you, you can't build a city like that in Britain because no, we haven't there's, got the space there's no for space, it. Yeah. I mean, Edmonton was originally a mining town, I think. It's for oil, basically. Mm, it, was, mm. it was all about oil. Um, it, Little it, fact, their ice hockey team's called the Oilers. The Oilers, because, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wayne Gretzky used to play for them. He did, yeah. He got, a, stat- he got, a, statue. He got a statue of Wayne in the town. And <laughs> some Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, he, he, um, yeah, one of the greatest of all time. He, um, we go through town and it's dark. And we're sitting in a taxi and the window we're looking out of is shattered. Mm. It's chips all over it. There's just cracks and chips everywhere. And these guys look peering through it. And I say to him, like, Jesus, man, did you have an accident? He was like, nah, nah. It's just, he said, Edmonton eats cars alive. Mm. I was like, why? He said, well, he said they use loose grit on the roads to grit the roads. And the car in front of you just kicks up crap into your windshield constantly. He said, I get through like three windshields a year. Like so, that's what you when you drive profession, you drive if, for a living in Edmonton. You just get through windshields. If you're into windscreens, if that's your thing, <laughs> oh, if Mr. Mo- move to Edmonton, you will be king. Yeah. you will be king. <laughs> Autoglass would just do the best trade. Yeah, so if we say Autoglass a few more times, we might get some free windows. In the land of yeah. grit, Autoglass is king. Yeah, yeah. so you you you're driving along and you're just driving forever through nothing. Every now and again, you see like a big like prefabricated box mm. that's some local business or something. Yeah. And then you arrive at the, the hotel, and if you're me, the hotel doesn't understand that you have, you're allergic to feathers, and you ask for a non-feather pillow, and I say, no problem, sir, we'll bring that to you in a minute, and they bring you a feather pillow, and I phone them back, and I say, no, you don't understand, I need a feather pillow that's not feathers, and the guy goes, oh, okay, oh, no problem, comes back up and brings me another feather he pillow. Comes, he comes back up with a wheelbarrow of feathers <laughs> yeah. and pours it on your sleeping body, and then, <laughs> so it's not just your head, it's every inch of you is touching feathers. He brings me a chicken. He goes, this is what you wanted, right? You just wanted me to cover your feather foot in feather. You wanted me to tar and feather you. You. Like, no, we you. offer that service here, sir. It, I, I didn't get to sleep until two in the morning, and I had to be up at like eight. Because you get up at like the next day, and you're like, and I was with Andy Hart up this time. And they're like, okay, we're going to see if we see Bioware the next day. But I was like, brilliant. We get up on the morning, and Andy and I are like, Look, you know what? Let's just go for a little wander in town mm. because. We, we don't have to go and see them until one o'clock in the afternoon. So let's have a little see what's around here. And we use the it, word town loosely. Yeah. Well, let me tell you what's when we, when I say let's go and have a look around. Here's what's in here's what's in Edmonton. Nothing. Ice. Nothing. As far as the eye can see, it's frozen, shitty ice. Like that kind of compacted brown, grey slush, mm-hmm. but compacted over many months. So it's rock hard. And you can't walk on it. And the proof is that nobody walks anywhere in Edmonton. No, they don't. We were the only ones on the street, completely. <laughs> it was funny, yeah. that. Yeah. We, we, we decided to go to that mall, because they got the biggest mall in, in the world. Or, or it was the biggest mall in the world for a while, but it's not anymore. <laughs> we sort of made this weak attempt to start walking to it, and then just got a taxi. And we got, we got in the taxi, and, and we said to our takers there, we thought, oh, it's just going to be around the corner. How it, big can Edmonton be? Yeah. We're in the taxi 20 minutes. Yeah. And and it's in it's in the same place, and he was driving con- consistently about sixty miles an hour for twenty minutes just yeah, to get to it. Because it, you, this, I mean, it's all just these freeways over there. It's just these lo- these re- massive, wide, long roads. So which just go on and on and on. In conclusion, the reason Bioware makes such great games in their Edmonton studio is because there is literally nothing else for them to do. Yeah. They can they can they, there's nowhere for them to walk. There's there's only a mall for them to go to, and let's face it, it's not particularly you know. Not particularly. Oh yeah, great. we should say we were, we were like oh, we we said to um uh, the PR guys from EA we said look we'll just meet you at Bioware Studio no worries they're like oh okay um it's over there and it's in the hotel yeah it's in the Bioware are based they're attached to a hotel mm-hmm. like everything in Edmonton is ten miles from everything else except for Bioware which are attached to a hotel mm-hmm. that that's that makes no sense to me the um the the people from Bioware, the, the PR men from Bioware, the, the first thing they said to us when we went up is, oh yeah, yeah, we saw you guys this morning, we were watching you eat breakfast. Yeah. Yeah, that's not creepy, yeah. <laughs> not in any way. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah. They were, so yeah, they were, they were just watching us from this window. Maybe S- the reason Bioware make such good games is that they sort of say, you know, the 10 hardest working people on this game, we're going to give them a job in a different city. It's like a sci-fi concept. They call it like the choosing or something. It's kind of like all the carousel. It's a bit kind of uh, Logan's run. Yeah. Yeah. Casey know, Hudson's been chasing the Texas dream for a good yeah. few years now. If, if Casey Hudson can get out, nobody can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that may or may not be true. You know, um, <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a sort of Bioware Mass Effect related note... Uh, We've been we, to see we that also, again recently. We, we've been to, well, not us. No, no, no. We, we learned our lessons. Not for love nor money. I listen. I love 
Mass Effect. And I mm. would love to go and see it again. Not for love nor money, man. We've we've seen we've seen that game. We've been to see it. We are we are going to be the first with any of that stuff. Um, it's it's completely new. Very very interesting. What That's we in see. January, right? I'm not going to give anything away. It's in Xbox, the Xbox World on sale, 11th of January. It's we we had really really good access to the game then. So um, so watch out for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a good one. Mm. We should talk about our new issue though. We should talk about our issue. It's on shelves. Um, it's on shelves actually. As you it's on shelves this. as we're speaking because it's on the fourth. Yeah, week. this is um, again. I say I've said it before, and I think I said it on the uh, on Facebook. Both Andy and I update uh, update the Facebook. In this case, it was me. I've genuinely never been prouder of an issue than the, this latest one. It's a, a a really 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 good issue. Uh, Alan Wake on the cover. Alan Wake. This is a world exclusive. Alan Wake's American Nightmare. Yeah, this is an absolute world exclusive. Um, we're the only ones with this game and. We had just great cooperation from the guys at Remedy. They mm. told us essentially every all, any question you might have about the game, they've answered. They, you know, there's there's new mechanics. They talk about those. There's new enemies. They talk about those. How big's the game? Because it's a downloadable title. Well, they'll tell you how big it is in there. Um, you know, is it as long as a single a single level of the first Alan Wake? Well, guess what? It's actually bigger. There's more to it than that. This is a game that's really worth getting excited about. You know, this is a big, big game mm. uh, in a small package. I really enjoyed the first Alan Wake. I know there was a lot of sort of negativity around it. I don't know what people were expecting. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think a lot of people were like, "Man, I think the, fun, the, the the sort of funny meme around Alan Wake was to go on Twitter and say, "Oh, you know, for a writer, he's really if he's supposed to be a great writer, he's a really crap writer." And you're like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a fair complaint. It's like he's I not like the tone of it. I, I, yeah, I thought of, I thought it captured the kind of pulp sensibility. Well, every, everyone was going around like this, as if that was like an interesting observation. That oh yeah, he's a, he's not he's not a very good writer, is he? You're like, well, you know what? Let's face it, video games. It, whenever you say a video game has good writing, you say it in the context of other video games. You're not comparing them. But this, the, this is this is the thing. It really, it really bugs me. Like whenever a kind of game has any kind of like literary aspersions, like 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 mm. Alan Wake. All of a sudden, all these kind of sort of like idiot games journalists suddenly become like the world's greatest literature experts, and they start writing these kind of opinion pieces about how this is not great literature and da 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 da, just because it happens to have a book in it. Mm-hmm. You know, they feel the need. You know, I don't trust that. I don't trust their opinion. These are the people who most of them give passes to all kinds of kind of like literary bilge. Yeah. You know, but for, for you know, one game has the audacity to go. I'm going to try and be a bit smart, and all of a sudden you're a literary critic. You know, they're not. It just, it's a personal bug there. Fact is, mine. Alan Wake was <laughs> well written for a video game. Yeah, and I think it was. When you're making a video game, you're not writing a novel. You're no. doing different things. I think Alan Wake set up an amazing tone. Mm. I mean, it just really, yeah. those guys absolutely nailed mm. the sense of sort of weirdness, the sense of danger, mm. the sense of of just this, being in this abstract place where you can't really count on anything. Mm. There's, uh, you know, we're on one or two levels where you're like, ah, this level's a bit filler. You know, if this was an episode of a TV show, this is the episode you could confidently miss. Mm. But then there were other episodes which were just like, wow, it's just a, like a ripping ride from beginning to end, where the action and the story just absolutely work together. Where you sort I of, thought a bit in the town was brilliant. The bit in the town was by far the best level, where you're running mm. along with the cop and mm. your agent and stuff. Mm. You meet up with your agent, he's mm. wrapped up in like fairy lights and stuff, you know. Yeah. There's, that's a great game. Mm. That's just that's just a great. Alan Wake's a really, you know what? I mean, mechanically, it was quite simple, and that really counted against it. Mm. Uh, the new one, mechanically, much more complex. Again, you can read about that in the Xbox World. We will talk about it on the podcast for the line, but for now, we do want you to buy the magazine because if you don't buy the magazine, we can't podcast. That's correct. It's so, a means um, to an end. Yeah. So, so pick up pick up the magazine, have a look. As God, what else we got in there? My God, we've got a GTA feature. Oh yeah, really in depth. The, the, the rumor control. Yeah, there's a lot of rumors flying around. We've brought them all together and we've applied the, the old lens of truth to them. Mm, mm. We have. It's um, yeah, it's 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 well worth reading. Interesting, uh, interesting opinion piece about open world games versus linear design. Yes. Which I like thought that. was was very interesting. You liked yes. that, did you? Yeah, I did. That's good. Okay. Like that. Yeah, you see, there's this um, there's this theory that like you know. Uncharted is the uh, game of the year. Mm-hmm. Skyrim is also the game of the year. You know, everyone people people are debating. Well, which one's which? Yeah. And the truth is, like, 
there's a third way. There's, you know, it's not about necessarily open world or strictly linear. There's a, mm. there's a space in between. And it seems to us that the best games keep cropping up in that space. Yeah. The games where you're sort of driven along a path, but you're given the width on that path to explore, you, you to Batmans experiment. Batmans and your Bioshocks. Batmans, Bioshocks, even Halo, you know. Mm. Halo is not, like, COD is that straight line. But in Halo, you get into like a bowl, big bowl, like mm. an arena, and you mm. get to mm. build your strategy. Maybe you go in with a vehicle, maybe you go in with rockets, maybe you go in mm. on foot and you take cover. And you, maybe you sneak and try and take out as many guys as possible while hiding. Games which let you sort of express yourself. And the guys who make Uncharted... Uh, described Uncharted as being like a wide linear game. He said, "Yeah, we give you the room to fl- explore, it, but it really isn't. It's a, a linear, linear. It's game. a linear, linear game. A wide linear game is the kind of game that. Well, to put it to the best way of describing it is a wide linear game is a game where the player can surprise the designer. If you can surprise the guy who made the game, then you've been obviously given like a lot of freedom to express yourself and be creative." And we're kind of you know it's just a chance to champion those kinds of games. Mm. And people might be might enjoy Spe- that. Speaking argument. of you, you sort of your Skyrims and well, not not your Uncharted, but uh, there is the our end of year awards feature. Yeah, that's the big one. So that's the big feature, end of year awards. Mm. That's our awards and your awards, uh, the awards you guys voted for, your game of the year. No prizes for guessing what won. Because we took, uh, I'm a, I was amazed that people liked body count that yeah. much. Yeah. Like, I know, I know, I loved it, but mm. I, you know, to see so many other people get behind it, I was really pleased. Yeah, it brought brought tears to the eyes. Yeah, not just a tear, many tears. <laughs> many t- um, that that may or may not be true. It may or may not be body count. Who knows? Again, it's something you'll have to pick up pick up the issue to see. But it's more more than just sort of game of the year. And We've got a yeah, lot of we're, other we're not the VGAs, man. We're not the VGAs. We don't give out awards for you know best. What best voice acting in this? And but we but we are sponsored by Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. <laughs> Miyamoto Lifetime Achievement Award is congratulated by Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. <laughs> and you're like, this is what Miyamoto's been waiting for his entire life. So it's the man who made Mario. He, he can't even eat cheese. You know, <laughs> we um we you guys shut up. Sorry. You got um, <laughs> so we got this um awards. It's, it, we're awarding things like innovation. We're awarding. Things like you know technical achievement and so on. We're awarding things that kind of deserve an award, and in our own small way, we're sort of trying to recognise people who've done really impressive stuff this year, mm. really achieved stuff, and also the games that deserve recognition but didn't get it at the time mm. and still didn't get it now. It's about championing those games, and hey, hopefully people will agree, and hopefully you'll get onto the Facebook and, and let us yeah, know. Yeah, if you tell you us how wrong it all is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do hey, tell us. Do, yeah, do tell us. But you know what? I stayed up and watched the VGAs the other night. That is possibly the worst TV show in the world. I thought I thought it was rubbish. Yeah. Just a big, big, big tacky commercial thing. I mean, it's quite telling that the actual award segment of the show was you know, broadcast in like an, in a video. It was like, by the way, these are the people who won the awards, you know, and then the people, the few people they allow up on stage, you know, lo and behold, happen to be people who gave them massive exclusive trailers the year before. I'm not saying that there's anything bent with that, but it's a little bit, but it's, it's a little but bit it's dodgy. Yeah. yeah, I'm not saying it's bent, but between you and me, it's massively bent. <laughs> um. <laughs> this show, um, we're talking at the uh, Video Game Awards on Spike TV in the US. You can't watch yeah. it over here, but you could stream it online. Mm. And the VGAs is always basically like the, the third chance anyone gets in a year to announce stuff with a big audience. You get E3, you get the Tokyo Game Show, you sort of get Gamescom, but nobody really announces there. Yeah. And then you get the Video Games Awards. People often use it as a platform to announce big games. We'll talk about some of the games that were announced in a minute. But it's... I'm going to say, to begin with, they aren't the BAFTAs. They have no obligation to celebrate like the artistry of games. They have no obligation to present games in a way that's, you know, like pushes the medium forward. They have, they're, they're not even the MTV Music Awards of games. You know, they, don't, they don't have to worry about you know, presenting any of that stuff. They just have to worry about putting on a good show, but they can't even do that. It is the worst award show in the world. It is, as I, I think I said on Twitter... Uh, just a bunch of douchebags high-fiving games. It's, it's, no, dude, it's not even people... They don't even like games. That's the point. It's a bunch of, it's a bunch of people... I didn't say they liked it. It's a bunch of people who don't play games referencing memes they don't understand in between adverts for fucking macaroni, macaroni and cheese <laughs> and a computer entertainment show. Or was it Consumer Electronics Show, sorry. Mm. CES. It used to be, I think it was, yeah. 
So yeah. you get this you get this show <laughs> where Charlie Sheen comes out and he doesn't really even present an award, he's just sort of there. And you got all the girls in mini dresses and they're coming out and they're doing things. You got what's her name? That um ginger girl from um Buffy the Vampire Slayer and other stuff. What's her name? Felicia Day. Felicia Day. Felicia Day. She's great, great personality. You know, she's uh just you got a great character in the world video game. She pops up on the guild on Xbox yeah. Live and stuff. You know, she's she's fine, just there's no no worries, we've got no beef with her. But do they really think at Spike TV we wanna see Felicia Day chopping fruit in half? Sponsored by Kraft sword? Macaroni and Cheese. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. That's insane. That's yeah. TV that no one wants to watch. Yeah, I like that old uh, Mark Hamill was laying into it on yeah, his even, Twitter feed. Even he was like, Hamill. I was there, I didn't even know they announced my award. They sat me at the back of the hall, you know, this is a load of old rubbish. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's like, it's retweet, funny, there's been, retweet. There's been a real backlash against the VGAs this year, I think. Mm. Not just from those people who do think they have an obligation to like champion the cause of games, but from people who are wanting a good show. It was, they wanted to turn in the, the award show and see who won some awards, but you didn't get to see that. But it's, it's just, it, what I heard about it is the gross, like, the sort of like, it's, the, it's totally quantity over quality in terms of it has lots of big exclusives but it shows them no respect it's literally just kind of like here's an exclusive here's an exclusive here's an exclusive it becomes totally meaningless and then you see afterwards Kojima is on Twitter going I think the VGAs you know could replace E3 as the kind of major place to do announcements but it's like a wasted place there's no love for it it's it's literally just we have to get if as you, many trailers out in an hour game E3 you get to come on stage you're Hideo Kojima you get to come on stage you get to talk to people who genuinely love your games everyone in that hall right there and then she's mm. got respect for what you do they res- even if they maybe they don't even like Metal Gear but maybe they already definitely respect what you do mm. and they're listening to you as someone who understands what you do and the audience watching at home through the internet they understand what you do and they like you as well and you've got this audience that's wrapped in what you're mm. doing and you announce your game and people listen and you get a chance to stand on stage and talk about why you're making that game and why this game is important to you you do it at the VGAs if you're lucky, next year they'll have you back, give you a award, and they'll have a man dressed in a military uniform pretend to put his balls in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he did to the guys who made Modern Warfare 3. And, and hey, just coming out of the back of that, the new Metal Gear game, which we should talk about, Revengeance, Metal Gear, so- Metal Metal Gear, Gear Rising, Rising Revengeance. Revengeance, is an exact victim of what you're talking about. Because they showed the trailer, people said, what the hell is this? This isn't what I was expecting at all. And there was no chance for anyone to sort of put any context behind it. It's just like, here's a trailer. All right, you enjoyed that, did you? Now here's a trailer for some shite Transformers game. <laughs> now, to be fair, War for Cybertron was pretty good. And what... <laughs> oh, oh, it is semantic. If you're a child. And, and, and now, the week after the VGAs, there's all this new information about Metal Gear Rising coming out. Mm. And... You, you almost feel like, I mean, obviously a lot of it was planned, but a lot of it is, is sort of, you know, co- them covering their backs because the fan reaction to it was so negative. So that extended trailer came out for, for Rising, and it says, well, yes, this, it's got Kojima Productions in charge of making the story. Yeah, all the It's got you Platinum in charge of making the action. And, you know, it, it's almost as if to, to sort of spell out after the, you know, just after they were sort of, flung out at the VGA as if to spell out look this game is actually going to be really good because Platinum are making it and they're one of the best action developers in the world and Kojima Productions are making the story you love Kojima Productions story so you know bringing the two together that's actually a good thing right And but but, you know it it feels as if they're backpedalling from from the negative trying reaction. Trying to bring like, that, the dialogue that, that around because, that game. It's, 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 it's wrong. because their trailer was just flung out so The thing is, they're not backpedalling. This was, this was always the plan. Mm. But it has the appearance of being defensive just because when you show your trailer, you don't get to frame it, you don't get to put any context on it. Exactly. And, I mean, poor old Kojima, he got up on stage and no. stuttered, stuttered his way through. It's like, just let the guy speak Japanese. Just let him speak Japanese and have a, have a guy standing next to him to translate. No one's going to show him any disrespect. No one's going to dislike that. But they, the, the degree of respect they treat these people with, these people who make games, there's an entire audience filled with people mm. who re- received awards that night and didn't even get to go on stage to collect them. The awards are just, like, secondary. I, I don't know. I don't want to like, I don't, I don't be, like, massively negative about the award show. That's exactly what we're being. But... 
what we the show's got to go. It's got to go. It must be stopped. You, you can't. I mean, there's no save. There's no saving it. Yeah. There's no saving it. I, th- I suggest that we 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 take it on next year with the with the uh, Xbox World Strong Awards. Yeah. And it's just kind of like we we'll invite people to talk about their games. We'll give them time on stage. You definitely won't teabag them. Yeah. You know? <laughs> we can My we can guarantee not to that. Teabag it. Oh, in that case, I'm in. Yeah. That'd be good. I might, like might tag that. like might teabag like John Jack Beltet. He's quite a good looking man. I don't think he'd like that. Though. No, he wouldn't. No. He's also a big man. Um, I definitely wouldn't. So talk to me about revengeance. So, um, le- 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 revengeance. <laughs> talk to me about revengeance. Let me, let me tell you about... somebody. I'll tell you about something about revengeance. The next time I'm walking down the road and someone stops in front of me, you know, they're walking along slow and then they stop dead in front of me. Oh, what's that in the window? Um, you know what this time is going to be? It's going to be time for some revengeance. <laughs> and Absolutely. if ever I'm out cycling and someone pull- cuts me off, revengeance. Right. And if ever I'm, uh, <laughs> if ever I go to Pret and I haven't got any toasted sandwiches, I see a theme here, Mike. Are you gonna? Are you, in that situation? Will it be revenge? I think so. <laughs> I yeah. Think so. Oh, yes. Look, revengeance isn't a word. Did you know that? Oh yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's actually, it's actually not a word. It's, it's actually a word Kojima made up. It is like, a word now. Like transferring. He likes making up words. Transferring. Transferring. <laughs> <It's> ridiculous. <laughs> Metal Gear Rising: Revengeance is, um, is what happens when you let Platinum Games make your game. And if Platinum Games say to you, we'd like to make your game, you say yes. Mm-hmm. You say yes and you give them whatever support they need to make their game. The funniest thing is, is, the ne- is there's this incredible negative reaction to the game online. It's nonsense. Madness. Nonsense. You've got Kojima Studios, Kojima Productions, handling everything that they should be handling. They're handling the story, they're handling the cinematics, they're handling all the nonsense the Kojima nonsense that he loves to put in fill fill his games with. So you have to have all of that stuff. And you've got Platinum handling the action. And oh man, Mm. no studio in the world is better at that press button, something happens. Like sort of (laughs) feedback. You know what I mean? Mm. Like in in most games, you press the button trigger, something happens. Gun fires, guy swings sword, whatever. And it always feels good. But you do that in a platinum game, and mm. it feels great. Absolutely, something about they—they they got that response time just right. They got everything works in their games. And the things that the worlds that they build are, are beautiful. Like Van, Vanquish's world. I mean, it's it's sort of you know fairly sort of standard sci-fi shooter world. But there's always so much going on. Like you're talking about the response. You, you look up and you see cities above you. you you're know? talking about the response time, even when you're not pressing any buttons. Everything is happening all at once. Yeah. And it just looks incredible. And they have absolute faith in players' ability to handle it. Hmm. That's the crazy thing about Platinum. Platinum have got this really strange approach to making games, which is an approach no one in the West is brave enough to even consider. They just say, you, you play games, right? Oh, you'll be all right then. Hmm. And they just drop you in. Yeah. Like, Bayonetta put so much on screen and just says, okay, you can handle it. You've played games before, you can handle it. That- the absolute faith... Platinum having players is extraordinary. That opening to Bayonetta is probably one of the best openings in any game ever. And what do they do? They just throw you off of a cliff. Yeah, they and, do. They just, just put, throw put you an on a, army at you. A massive falling clock. Yeah. And just say, right, you're on this clock. It's falling through time and space. Uh, here are some people. Beat them up. And we're gonna we're gonna attack and look you. Cool. With, it, the biggest army in the game is attacks you in the very first level. Mm. They don't give you an energy bar. They just let you. They just let you keep fighting. And you're like. What better way to introduce you to the mm. insanity of this game than to just let you mash the hell out of all of these enemies? It's, it's absolutely absurd, but it is incredible. Uh, another another thing that to talk about in terms of this collaboration between Kojima Productions and Platinum. Kojima Productions, or, or Kojima himself rather, was directly uh, was he, he worked directly on uh, Castlevania: Lord of Shadows. Mm. Now, that game for me. Was brilliant. I thought it was. Yeah. It was. It was one of the best games I played. It was 2010. Yeah. Um, now, previously, the developer who made Castlevania: Lord of Shadows, Mercury Steam, made Clive Barker's Jericho. Mm. Clive Barker's Jericho. That was an absolute disaster of a game. And so the they went. Knew it. Mercury Steam were out to prove so something. Mercury Steam went from making Clive Barker's Jericho. <laughs> To making Castlevania Lord of Shadows. Now, 
Yeah, maybe maybe they kicked everyone out of the studio and got some new people in. But maybe, just maybe, Kojima had a very, very positive influence on them. Mm. My, my suspicion is they had the talent there to make the, the, the great game that is Castlevania, but Kojima sort of brought it out of them. Mm. Now, that's, that's Kojima on his own. Imagine what Kojima Productions can now bring to Bayonetta and those guys know how to make games and, anyway. And they they're all friends. These are guys who like drink together in Tokyo. These are people yeah. people who've worked in the same studio before, you know. These are these mm. are these are friends. It's, it's are... sort of like he's boosting them to like hundred and fifty percent. Yeah, I mean how can you not be a trailer? About I thought that the trailer game? was amazing. The trailer was amazing, yeah. Well, I was just watching I was even watching it on like the blurriest before like it had a proper upload. Like it was the worst YouTube yeah. video, and you could still tell it whatever was it going was on was such... incredible. And you know what? People are going, Oh, it's so goofy, and yeah, it is. It's re- it is kinda yeah. goofy. Like when you get to the end of the trailer and they show you the logo from like ten different ways, yeah. dun, 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 it's over and over again, just hammering you with this yeah. lo- it's this logo. And the logo, the font on it's just ridiculous. And you look at it, you're like, God, this game's gonna be fun. Oh, I can't wait. To this play. game's gonna be so much fun. The funniest thing about it is that Hideki Kamaya's not involved. Yeah. Like everyone were like, oh, it's not what the Bayonetta team are doing, right? Nope, it's not the Bayonetta no, team. Kamaya's making Bayonetta too. Yes, he must be. I mean, if he's if he's not the guy making Revengeance, then he's making. Bayonetta. He better be making Bayonetta too. Oh, That's man. all I can say. But he's you know, such he's such a cock. That was such, that was <laughs> such a like, Bayonetta moment. Am I making trailer. Bayonetta too? Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. Yeah. Maybe I am. Oh, I've announced it. No, I haven't. That was a joke. Are you, and you say, "Are you making it?" He would like. He goes, "I would love to make a Bayonetta too." Like, That's not an answer. That's yeah. not an answer. You've identified that before, as I mean, you're Japanese developers. When you interview them, mm. they've got this really weird thing. You'll say to them, "Can you tell me about?" this new sword fighting mechanic you've got yeah. in the new Zelda game and they'll go we really hope players enjoy our new sword fighting mechanic yeah, in the yeah, new yeah, Zelda yeah. game like, that's, that's actually not an answer it's not an answer yeah. at all no, no it's definitely definitely not um, there was such a Bayonetta moment in that um, that Metal Gear Rising trailer where he uh, he grabs the, the ray attacks him so he grabs it throws it into the sky, chases it into the sky and chops it up in midair. Oh. Such a Bayonetta moment. Mm. Oh, it just looked great. Those guys man they've got such a sense of just insane, dumb action. Hmm. They, they're the guys who take like, like an anime and they bring it to life in a, something you can actually interact with better than anyone else in the world. Platinum are one of the best developers on Earth. They've got a 100% hit rate. Yeah. Man of World was great. Infinite Space was great. Yeah, really underrated as well. Really, really under- well underrated. Yeah. The, uh, Vanquish was great. Uh, Anarchy Ro- uh, Reigns is coming soon. That's a really good game. Like I, I'm, I'm not convinced it will sell a lot of copies because they, they're not well, doing a good Mad, job. I think Mad World sold eight copies. Or yeah, something. they're not doing a good job of putting their message out there. But yeah. it's, it's a great game, and everyone knows how good Bayonetta is. Mm. They got a better strike rate than Kojima. Like Kojima mm. Productions have not got a strike rate as strong as that. Like mm. this is they are the hundred percenters. They have never made a bad game. Even when they were the, all of the guys working for that studio were Clover at Capcom. They didn't make a bad game. Mm. This is an unstoppable team. These are the, be- uh, the best developers in Japan working with the other best developers in Japan on the action game of yeah. 2012. Ooh. So there we go. That's that, exciting. That, that, is, um, that is what we say about Metal Gear Revengeance. Yeah. That, that, we're, we're, we're 100% behind it. It looks now, so violent. Ooh, brilliant. Um, now, now we've now you've heard about um, about what we have been playing, or rather, what we've been doing and talking about. Um, basically, we're we're not going to talk about what we've been playing because we sort of covered it. Uh, Matt's been playing Skyrim again. Yes, I've been playing NBA. <laughs> Mike's been playing Skyrim. You've been playing anything else? Yeah, I played a bit of Battlefield and new DLC. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so out. I mean, that's out now. It's out it? right now. Mm. It came out yesterday. Um, three days ago for everyone listening to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to Carcand. Yeah, it's good. I. I the maps are the best maps mm. in the game. They're still buggy as hell. The game's still crazy buggy. Even after a monster patch. Did you download patch. that insane patch? Well, the patch has got them new maps in. It's 2, two gig. 2 gig. 2.7. Blimey. 2.07. As in a patch. That's a... That's bl- rebuilding the game. That's rebuilding the game from scratch is what <laughs> yeah. that is. But it's, it does have all of the new maps in, so that's, that's what takes up a mm. big chunk of it. And... I'm still not happy with the game, man. I love Battlefield 3. Like, but I love it in spite of itself, in spite of a lot of little problems. It's still buggy. There's still 
a lot of weird quirks. It's still mm. the greyest, greyest game. I want a bit of green in there, a little bit mm. of a, a little bit of brown, a little bit of the, you know, and, and some give me some other colours, you know, to give me a map that's set in night. Bad Company had all of those things. And what I liked about Bad Company was I, I, I appreciated the weapon balance more. I liked having an underslung grenade launcher all the time. I liked to just plow through walls. Mm. I liked demolishing entire towns. Mm. And with Battlefield 3, they had a different design approach. They wanted a bit more control over the maps. They wanted a bit more control about mm. the way the flow of battle. It's not that it's a worse game. It's just a different game. And for me, I think Battlefield Bad Company still appeals to like uh, something in me that's... Just appreciates blowing stuff up, you know, just demolishing stuff. You get a bit more destruction in the car. A bit more, but it's still inconsistent. Mm. You'll see a wall that you'll be like, oh, I can blow that up, and you'll shoot it, and it'll, it'll just like look at you blankly. But then you'll see another wall that looks identical, and you'll shoot that, and it'll explode. And there'll, you'll see a building, you'll be like, can I collapse that? You'll demolish it right down to its just its, mm. just a few pillars, and it'll still be standing. Another very similar building will collapse. And that inconsistency... For me is... I think maybe they had different builders. You know, like one builder was really good, the other builder was really bad. And it happens. Not all towns are built by one builder. Not all buildings are built the same, right? Different materials. Some I, are cheap. I, I, just, I just need consistency, man. I need that. I, and I just need the game to react the way I expect it to every single time. And... Aiden, new vehicles are great. You finally get to sort of level up your uh, mobile anti-air because, God knows, it's hard to find that on any other map. Mm. Um, Wake Island. They've ruined Wake Island. It's not a good map in this game. They had all of the off, you know, you got like, was it, five maps? And everyone's like, oh, Wake, I can't wait to play Wake Island. It's hard to get a game on Wake Island, actually, because everyone mm-hmm. wants to play Wake Island. So all the games are filled. When you do get a game on Wake Island, you very quickly learn, oh, it's not as good. They've increased mm-hmm. the size of it, I think. They've made it wider and longer. All the distances are greater. And it's just not as much fun. It's like, it's just, it's, there's, there's not. As, 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 when you've got to run for cover, you're running so far for cover, it's just it's too far away. There's a few points that are just a little bit too defensible, that were too strong, and I don't know, it just, it just doesn't feel, doesn't feel, it doesn't I have looked, the, the quality feel of Wake Island. I loved Wake Island in 1943. It's the best multiplayer map ever. Mm. But in, in 1943, it was a perfect. bold claim. Yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, of all time. Of all time. For me, for me that's the best mm. version. Uh, also, um, and uh, a map that nobody else would be. Um, be really aware of this. I would also say that uh, the uh, the mile map in Splinter Cell, Pandora Tomorrow, DLC in Pandora Tomorrow, and Chaos Theory, it was on the disc. That's yes. one of the best multiplayer maps of all time as well. Facility in Goldeneye. That's oh. a rubbish map. It's not a rubbish it's map. A Everyone rubbish loves map. Facility. Everyone loves it, but it's a rubbish map. Because always trying to bring us back to standard definition, aren't you? <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a big long line, man. Yeah, but it's got a, it's got a nice little loop, and it's got those those rooms with the big tanks you can sort of hide behind. It's one long choke point. Yeah, well, that's that's why it's f- so fun. Yeah, well, this is a terrible argument. <laughs> yeah, you, but you know, hey, look, everyone loves facility because when you see your buddy spawns, you're like, I know where he is. You run to him <laughs> yeah. to shoot him before he gets a machine. He gets I, a decent gun. I remember that um, that Splinter Cell map really well. I remember like because you could climb around in the pipes behind the the sort of um, because it was it was dark map, wasn't it? it yeah, was real night. dark map. And but the the billboards and the lights and stuff were all lit up. So, you, so you, if you, you climbed you up a pipe a and, you, and you, you, you could hide next to the billboards so they wouldn't see your light because you had a little light on and that was one of the ways you could spot, a, spot an agent. It was always tough. And, and you could sit there and you could sort of watch people running around, like watch, watch, the, <laughs> um, watch the mercenaries. It was, Splinter Cell was just the best, mm. just the best. And the map design was incredible. We always used to boast about how rude our minds were as, as mercenaries. Everyone always wanted to play spies, like people would leave the game to play spies. We didn't care, we would play either way, mm. because we knew we could win games based entirely on minds. Mm. There was nothing more satisfying than playing that game, and you're just like, oh, no one's dead. And you're on the other side of the map, there goes another one, because your minds were so rude. It was about placing minds that were so rude that even if they saw the mine, they couldn't do anything about it. We used to place like these ridiculous sploit mines where we would climb, like, drop, jump off of a staircase onto a rail, run along the rail, hop off of the rail onto like something else you're not supposed to be to stand on, and put a mine in a place that's such a... Like, you cannot get to it without detonating it. It's mm. these ridiculous sploit mines. We got so good at placing those things. And on Shermerhorn in, the, in, the, in Pandora Tomorrow's or the uh, train station, great, massively underrated map, a great map. We got so good. Like, you couldn't even get into the map. We would, we would mine the place up so well, completely break the game. 
brilliant. Phil, I should explain. There's a sort of brightness in Mike's eyes currently, which is which is actually quite terrifying. The, the memories I have, <laughs> the memories I have of um, of that game, the best the best experiences I've ever had playing a video game. His um, his eyes usually only light up like that when he's getting his toasted sandwich from Pratt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, <laughs> Or, or when they burn with the fury of when we, because we have lunch together and we go into the Pret and Bath and they don't have the toasted sandwiches and it all kicks it's off. different kind of brightness. The atmosphere, sort of dark yeah. brightness. <laughs> a dark, there's a darkness to his eyes. So, um, Sandwich rage. We're going to close this out now by answering some of your reader questions. Uh, make them winners. Yeah, make them winners. Mike, have we, I'm sure have we got all a, winners. Have we got a, a first reader question to kick us off? One of the first questions is uh, from Stuart Lyons who asked uh, what we think of new Metal Gear Rising game meme to that by Platinum I think we've pretty much covered that yeah, couldn't be more couldn't be more excited about it to be no. honest give it a big old thumbs up old, and then I chop those thumbs off it. with yeah. a with a samurai sword yeah blood sprays everywhere we've horrific. got um, so Liam Craig asks do you think there's going to be another contender in the next console war in the next round of the consoles that's an interesting question possible yeah I mean if it is it'll be Apple mm. and I wouldn't be surprised if it were if um, Valve Got in did, did a deal did a deal with someone to release a box which has Steam on it, mm. a kind of a, a PC in a, a, a kind of set top uh, under a telly box. I could see that happening. Mm. They they they've got a version of Steam working apparently that can be driven entirely by a controller. I mean, I, I wonder because Microsoft and Sony are pushing so much towards being like a complete media entertainment system. So I, I suppose eventually we're going to they end up... They have to, to compete with Google TV and Apple TV, exactly. right? Exactly. We're just, we're just going to end up with a TV, which will have the ability to play games built into it, all the media streaming capabilities. Basically, everything will run through the TV, this one the TV. The TV itself will be a beast PC. Yeah, exactly. And so, that's, that's, that's why Valve, I think, are genuinely the best placed for the next mm. generation. Everyone thinks Apple is. But in actual fact, if Valve ever wanted to cut a deal with a a TV manufacturer, even Apple. I mean, they run Steam on... If they mm. an Apple Steam box would be... That'd be it. That'd be devastating. That'd be that it. would change yeah. the market overnight. Because mm -hmm. Steam is so good, mm -hmm. and they put games out so cheap, whenever they do a sale, it, the, the games are so well-priced. If you've got two boxes on your TV, one's an Xbox, you can buy Batman Arkham Asylum on the Xbox for, uh, for £40 on mm -hmm. day one. And the PC version is twenty nine ninety nine. And by the way, the graphics are better. No one's going to... Oh, and also you get achievements because it connects to the game for Windows Live. There's no competition there. Mm. Everyone was going to go for the cheaper option. Uh, it's digitally downloadable. You'll be able to download it to any box in the world. Your, your saves automatically upload to the cloud. You've got a friends list. You've got cross-game chat. Things that it, if the PlayStation doesn't have. It's the best mm. system. It's, it's like the imagine. best of both worlds. It's incredible. It's, I mean, a Steam box could be huge. The, the, the only barrier to that at the moment is that this country's broadband is just woeful. That's the problem. Yeah. By, by, by comparison, I mean, we're, the average speed, I think, is four, four or five meg. Yeah. Whereas in, you know, even in, even in countries which are sort of seen as a lot, a lot financially There's dire... third world they've, countries they, they, They've got, than us. you know, 50 meg as, as standard, 20, 20, 30, 40, 50 meg. We've, I think we've said this before. BT had the chance to make us world leaders in broadband back in the late 90s, and they didn't take it. They, didn't yeah, they fumbled it. it. Yeah, like they fumbled chumps. It. Spent all their money getting ET to do their adverts. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why. And Bob Hoskins. And then they quickly <laughs> sacked ET and got those two nauseating people. That, that, you remember, you know, oh, that, that, that romance. Couple, no, but isn't yeah. it that guy that's a washed-up guy from my family? Yeah, I, I was desperate for them to break up. Just fucking, yeah, when, just when they when they it. broke up, we were, we were supposed to sit there and feel bad for them or something. All right, all right I guess. So, they, no, and, uh, they're, they're a contemptible pair. Yeah, yeah, they're just oh, useless, absolutely useless. If if they're representative of modern Britain, I'm I'm moving. Forget those I'm, guys I'm though, because abroad. their their advertising isn't even one tenth as contemptuous and hateful as the advertising that the banks throw us. I'm not going to name any names because I'm going to say some really mean shit about them in a second and I don't want to get them. Give them I, I know, I know exactly which one you're going to pick out but there's right one, now. There's one which is like animated with like little, sort of clay, not claymation, but it's pseudo. And there's other, but all of the banks are doing different, the, a different, there's another one which has got like families all getting together. and it's the, like, uh, the, the one with the fake radio show. Oh God, that, that one too. That grinds my kids every Ugh. time it's on. Imagine a radio station, by the way. By the way, we bailed you out. Now you're spending our money on this contemptible, 
Imagine a radio oh. station that only plays <laughs> adverts for a bank and the lightning seed. That would, that's the worst radio station of all time. I quite like the lightning seeds. Oh, you would. You got, um, that's the sort of radio station that mysteriously of, burned down within a week. You've got all of these ads all putting the same message out. We're friendly. We're, fa- we're, fa- yeah, we're family companies. We know how important your family is to you. We love you. You come, come, become a, be a part come of our family. Be a we'll, part. G- we'll give you a cuddle. Come on. I don't want to be a part of your family. Just give me my money back. I don't want to hear how friendly you are. I want to hear how sorry you are. It's the and way- how ashamed no, you are. No, but this is the thing. They put their staff. There's that. There's one at the moment. Again, naming no names. It has its staff singing a song. But it's like the bank tellers. It's like the I've cashiers. That, yeah. It's the people who really have. Well, mm. I say really. They don't have any say in in the financial. And they're singing kind of. I'll be there for you or whatever yeah. it is. Um, and then you sort of think of actually, there's just some like horrible fat cat sitting in his office having yeah. a good old laugh. Oh, yeah. I'll be there for you yeah. while he's smoking his cigar on your. I like, I like, well, he's not even singing; he's just humming it to himself as he smokes his cigar but, and counts his I money. Will, I will caveat this by saying I don't mind people like I think it's Nat West and HSBC advertising because they didn't take any money from us, so they can advertise as much as they like, claim to be our buddies. They they took nothing from me. I'm not going to take anything. This is all from getting them. a bit political. We were talking about Samurai Ninjas 15 minutes we ago. Were. I think I think we need another question to be honest to get us out of this. Um, I don't know. I think this, there's this still some, some mileage in this uh, console thing. Uh, I think the Dream Box is would be an Xbox with Steam on it, right? Because Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Here's the cool thing about the Xbox and the, the next Xbox in particular. Microsoft aren't going to win with power. They uh, they know you don't win with power. Look at the Wii. Power doesn't win you a console war. But what Microsoft have is a list of trademarks and patents longer mm. than almost any other company in the world. This They have incredible bespoke technology that nobody else has. Kinect is one of those things. Mm-hmm. Holodesk, Omnitouch, these are things that are being researched right now. It's, it's sprung out of Kinect. They've got incredible research with different sound systems, with different visual systems. They've got like, different online systems. They've got all of this stuff in the bank, and that's what they can bring to the table. And it's yeah. stuff nobody else can bring to the table. So if you've got those guys bringing that to the table, still selling their games on a disc, no worries. But then they also cut a deal with, uh, with Valve and get... Steam as a distribution platform. And you know what? While you're at it, just cut a deal with OnLive as well. Stream mm. games via OnLive. And you know, maybe you're doing yourself out of a, a, a certain degree of revenue every time you cut one of these deals. But the consumer gets a better device mm. and they will buy that device because it will be the best device in the world. Will there be another contestant, a competitor in the next console generation? I think you, it's you, unlikely. You've got three platforms mm. filling things up. If there is another competitor you won't recognize it as a competitor. That's the thing. Mm. Nobody thought the iPhone was a competitor for the handheld market mm. until it owned the handheld market. I, I personally think that the PlayStation Vita is in big trouble. You do? Because I, I think it's going to struggle to compete against tablets and iPhones. And, and, and the PSP, general, sold, the PSP sold 71 million was units. It, it was Japan. before the iPhone was sold. But dominant. it's still selling thousands of units every week in Japan. Mm. In Japan, the PS the PSP is massive. Culturally if they only if they only sell in Japan, the machine will still be a success. Mm. I'm I'm not as convinced about it. I think it's I think they're they're best out of the handheld market, and mm. I think Microsoft, in the long run, have been quite smart. I think they could have made some money going into it a few years ago, but I think they're best out of it now and just sort of keep into Windows phones. But I, I, I'd argue that there is already a fourth competitor, and I'd say that Apple are probably them, because you know their their devices do games very well. Apple generally, as a company, yeah. don't like games; they really don't like them, mm. so they don't. Sort no, of, I don't know. They've they always, they've always tried money. to get every every time they do a their Mac World Expo, they go, "We're serious about games this time," and they'll get out someone on stage, some game, like Epic or whatever, will mm. come on stage and say, "Yeah, we know, we look at the amazing games we're bringing to this thing," and then a year later, you say, "Well." I did get that one game. That's true. I did play that one game. <laughs> sort of. They're like a child that says, "Yeah, I, I absolutely love peas," and then just end up pushing them around their plate a bit, yeah. and they finish the rest of their food. Yeah. So what child doesn't like peas. So they're technically a, f- a fourth, a fourth. Bet you ate all your peas, didn't you, Michael? Love peas. Yeah. That's they're how like you grew of, up so big. And they're like one of my f- top five vegetables. That's why you're like 
Green, green giant. Tune back in the next podcast to find out Matt's fourth favourite vegetable. I will, I will be telling you one of my favourite vegetables in each in each episode, following episode. Let, yeah. Let's take one more question, Mike. We've got, uh, what, what do we think, everyone think of the new Dash? It's from Matt Riley. So what do you think of the new Dash? What do you specifically make of the apps for the new Dash? We've got YouTube, we've got Love Film, we've got other stuff. Um, I mean, it's kind of lacking right now, On right? launch, not enough apps, not nearly enough apps. I think... Is, has there been a reduction of in functionality? I know they've launched a load more now. They launched a load more. There's been a reduction today. in functionality if you really want to um, play indie games. It's mm. really hard to find oh, indie games tough, now. Yeah. Real hard. Uh, yeah. That's a huge problem. The, the potential of the new dashboard is good. It's fun to play with it, especially if you're using Connect and. Love the voice control, I, man. I, I quite, I quite like going going through the little windows. Some some stuff is more buried. Some stuff is is better is better flagged. Specifically, adverts. Um, I don't, I don't like the increased focus on adverts. I have to say, no. Um, it's it's quite cynical. But then again, Microsoft have got to make money. Uh, they are a business. Yeah, making, so they, are, they are making it. money. We're spending thirty pounds a year on a gold subscription. Mm. They need to cut a break for gold users. They need to say, look. Silver users, you get ads. Gold users, no ads for you. Tell, tell you what, though. Xbox World can cut you a little break yeah, we'll with tell regards you, to the ads. We'll tell you how to block those we real will. nice. Next issue, yeah. the one on sale in January. Yeah. Find out how to block the ads. Is it smash your Xbox up with a hammer? Is that your answer? I've been reading it. <laughs> yeah. We've got um, no, no, uh, one, one more question from Lee Shmee Stewart, which is... Um, a question we're not going to answer. He asks, okay. uh, what will you guys be playing over Christmas? So much console gaming. You know what? We're going to talk about that on the, the special Christmas podcast. Ooh. It's going to, be recorded, uh, going to be recorded next week and we'll have it, hopefully. Mm. Uh, we, as you guys know, we have had some problems getting our podcast stuff on iTunes. Um, I think we're, re- sort of we're really trying hard, guys. I, I, we swear. It's, if we had to get up on our own server and get up on iTunes... At the same time, easy peasy. Getting up on the corporate server, hard, tell, real hard. Tell, tell you what the process I had to go through last time because I uploaded it to to the uh, to the server into iTunes. Now, there used to be Pellet doing it, and, and that's the thing when when we switched when Pellet left, the IT guys formatted his computer. Yeah, we lost all of the passwords. Uh, he didn't he didn't have his passwords stored anywhere. He just had them as cookies. So <laughs> it, it was Pellet Pellet sort of struggling to upload the first two. Then finally, after after I'd asked them for about a month, can I have the podcast? They might be listening to this, you know. You shouldn't shouldn't be so mean. They might might just delete all of our podcasts. They are all very handsome. Yeah, they're Uh, they're handsome, spectacular people. (laughs) But they didn't get back to me about the podcast software, so that that was a problem. And then we had a problem uploading to the FTP, which is why it didn't go onto iTunes properly. I, I downloaded the latest podcast off iTunes this morning on my iPhone. So it should be working there. So it should and be working. And this one should work just fine, hopefully. This, this one will go Not in touch wood. I, I don't know. It gave me an error message last time. I don't know what that means, but I seem to have fixed it by repeatedly doing the same thing and getting the same error message. Ah, uh, so forget good. forget you anyway. Nil point. You, uh, you dropped the ball. Next week we're replacing you. Christmas podcast <sighs> special. Tim Weaver's back. For, 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 one, for one for special show. Week. You're actually taking a holiday, right? I'm taking a holiday, yeah. Nice. Yes. Nice. Yeah, Where that. are you going? Uh, I'm going to Scotland. If you're in Scotland next week, there's a chance you might run into Andy Hartup. Yes. It'll be so cold, though. It'll be nice. It's going to be cold, isn't it? Yeah. It's going to be good. And we're going to record a, a <laughs> me, Matt Castle, Tim Weaver. Bring it back to the old school, sort of. Well, I'm not really old school, am I? No, but we'll be talking about Christmas. That's, that's what we're going to do all of our Christmas chats. Which I do know a lot about. Special you Christmas chats. I've, I've had many of them. Yes. So, uh, until the next time, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, as ever, hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, you should know the addresses by now. Keep your eyes peeled at Christmas time as well, because we're doing a few little giveaways, yeah. as we always do. The old Twitter giveaways, definitely worth following us on Twitter. Lots Definitely worth following us on Facebook. Of Mixed quality games. In the oh office man, that we, we have we to, got some, we have to give to you. Have we got some varied games for you guys? Have we, have <laughs> oh, we, have yeah. we got some games that are almost not terrible for you? Mm. <laughs> so, uh, so watch out for that. And until next time, bye. Farewell. Bye.